more bullshit. Dig No more bullshit. You want answers? Cliffcentral.com. Stay informed and up to date. It's the Daily Maverick Show, Tuesdays, 1 to 2 p.m. on cliffcentral.com. Honourable listeners, distinguished guests, <laughs> South Africans across the nation. Good afternoon, Sunny Bonani, Dumalang. It's five past one on a Tuesday, and you're listening to the Daily Maverick Show on Cliff Central. My name is Greg Nicholson, and I'm here with Gashwal Brooks, our Daily Maverick contributor, and Daily Maverick journalist Ranjani Munasami. You have joined us today for a special State of the Nation address. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, State, State of the Nation show uh, ahead of President Zuma's uh, Thursday State of the Nation address. Writing in the paper this morning, uh, Minister in the Presidency Jeff Rodebe said, uh, Ranjini, that the State of the Nation address is about the ch- it's the President's chance to steer the ship for the nation. But I was thinking, I think we've got an iceberg in the waters, and that's the EFF. <laughs> The EFF has said that they're not going to let Zuma speak. They're going to interrupt him to ask him when he's going to pay back the money and hopefully he'll address Nkandla. What, what is their reasoning for this? Is it just them also trying to get the headlines on another big event or is there something bigger behind their, their threats to protest? Firstly, this ship of President Zuma has been in the water for six years now. It ain't been going anywhere, you know. Um, so, um, it's a bit late to try and, uh, you know, find its course now. I'm sorry, I'm not okay with, um, uh, nautical terms. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, so, uh, y- you know, the thing is that if the EFF didn't hype up this event in the way they hadn't, it would have just been a normal run of the mill, opening of parliament, 2015, blah, blah. You know, mm, President Zuma mm. is well into his second term now. He's like coasting along. He's, you know, he, after the NC National General Council mid-year, he's basically going to be a, a lame duck president waiting to, uh, you know, for his retirement. However, a ball game has changed completely because of payback the money. And suddenly, the State of the Nation address is the most anticipated event, you know, for as long as we can remember. There's bigger hype around it than there ever was for even the 2014 election. Um, and it's all about one moment. It's not about the speech. It's not about the contents of the speech. It's just about that single moment when the president stands up to speak and then all eyes shift to the left of the house. Or is it the right of the house? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so... um so where the Red Army sits and to see what they do. And the thing is that um, to an extent, the EFF has painted itself into a corner as well because there's nowhere to go now. They've already said what they're going to do. They've already said how they're going to do it, when they're going to the do it. they countdown timer, yes, second by second. They've got the ticker on their website. You know, it's it's all this, this past, uh, I don't know, couple of months have all, have all been about confronting the president. Um, and so... No, what happens now, and the thing is, is that they are not interested in his answer. Mm. They don't want to know. The question is, when are you going to pay back the money? Mm-hmm. They don't want to know the answer. They want the money. And they said that at that, that last time they caused the, the, the raucous in parliament. They said, we, we, we want the money. Yeah. So they're not, he, when he answers, say he, he abandons his speech and he says, okay, let me answer you. He's not going to say, I'm paying back the money. We know that. But he, he's, he's going to be answering their question, which mm. is not what they were. So there's n- what I'm saying is that there's no possible way he can give them the answer they're looking for there. 
So, so basically, if the EFF follows through on their promise, we're just going to see a, a, a protest yes. and the disintegra- disintegration of, of SONA. Um, who knows? The, the parliamentary officials might have to come in, try to kick the EFF out. Yes, because unless he, sa- he says, I've already sent a check in, <laughs> there, there's no possible way they're going to be uh, satisfied with that answer, whatever answer he gives. So therefore, and I think that that's the reason everybody can see that it, there's like one royal circus coming. Because there's no possible way it can go smoothly unless the EFF backs down. But more broadly, what do the EFF have to win here, um, Gashwell? What do they have to win? I mean, absolutely nothing. I think the big win for them is the fact that they're able to destabilize uh, Parliament at the biggest parliamentary event, the opening of Parliament, the State of the Nation address. I, I don't know. For me, I, I'm, I'm torn in two places, uh, be- between two places, rather. <laughs> torn in two places. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm torn between two, two positions on this one, because on the one end, they did bring a new robustness to, to parliamentary debate. But the fact of the matter is, is that Sona, which has been a bit of a lame duck over the many, many years, and maybe you know you guys would be in a better position to 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 uh, you know reinforce it. But um, surely we should be in a space where the state of the nation is an address of telling us what has happened in the country thus far, uh, where things have worked, where things have failed, but more specifically, uh, what's going to be done. To fix things, you know, and how are things going to be improved? That's what state of the nation should really be about. But but surely, surely the EFF and Julius Malema's answer to that is Zuma's had all these years to tell us where the nation is and what's going wrong, and he's just going to feed us um, promises and fallacies about uh, the, the good the story. To story. Tell. Yeah, yeah. Now, the, look, I'm also sick and tired of the good story to tell because I mean it, it's 20 years of legacy. You know, that's what we're continuously getting. I mean, last year was a, a, a history lecture. Quite frankly, and but the thing is, is that in as much as that's the the, the issue here, uh, do we really want Sona to be sidelined only on the Nkadla issue? You know, that, that for me is what, what really, that's like, the big like question. Like the DA's Muslim Imani said yesterday, it's not the state of Nkandla address, it's the state of Sona address. Exactly, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, we need to know where this country is going, what is happening in the country, what are the, some of the plans. And yes, I mean, if you really listen carefully, and I know it's tough, that hour does seem to drag on and on and on. But the fact of the matter is, is that you can gauge something coming out of this thing. Mm. You know, there's something to look forward to. On the other hand, I think that the, the EFF does have something to gain. I think, um, you know, from the, the time they were elected into parliament in May last year to August when they staged that protest action, I think that they had won a lot of public sympathy, mm. but not support. There's a difference. They, um, people are kind of living vicariously through Julius Malema and the EFF because they are able to do what nobody else has been able to do, which is put President Zuma on the spot mm. and, and call him out, you know. Um, and, and nobody else has been, do, been able to do that, whether it's within the NC or outside. Um, this is the first time it's happened. So there is kind of some subliminal support from particularly, I, I, I think, the middle classes in society. Especially on the Nkandla issue. Yes, on the mm. Nkandla issue, because there is this uh, inherent lack of accountability on the part of government with regards to uh, Nkandla. And because they've been so dismissive and, uh, you know, uh, after, after the public protector's report, the way they've, they've dealt with it is, has been a complete sham. So it's, the DA has tried all sorts of things, gone to court, uh, you know, they, they, they've, they've tried to po- pass a motion of no confidence, but nothing of the, that has worked because of the NC majority. 
it is only the EFF tactics. And yes, there are extreme tactics and they're mm. outside the rules of parliament, but that has been the only thing that has worked. So now I think that is why they have pushed as hard as they have to use this occasion. Because at the, at the EFF uh, press conference at the, at the beginning of the year, I asked Julius, uh, that, you know, the, the straight after the sauna, the, the week after next week is the debate on the sauna where p- members of all political parties get to speak. So they could make the point there and the president then responds to that debate. So they could have posed a question. Every single EFF member participating in that debate should have asked him there. But he says, in that debate, the president has the option not to answer. Whereas if they confront him at the sauna, he has to provide an answer. But and, that's not And the president's response is only supposed to be on what's addressed in sauna, yes, wasn't it? Yes. That's unlikely it is going to yes. raise the unkindly issue. Yes. I'd, I'd like to know, so, so with the EFF, if they do have sort of altruistic means with these protests in parliament and all these sorts of things, is there a new sort of level of accountability being forged? And even if it's, even if it's through protests and means of disruption, Will the ANC or President Zuma now feel more pressure and more heat to be held accountable to the public? But how so? I mean, to be honest, I mean, thus far, the real question is what has it achieved thus far, right? Because all that we've seen is, is you know, the ANC closing ranks and continuing to do what they're doing. Baleka Mbete, uh, now recently on a, you know, on a TV interview, said very clearly that, no, her job is not to protect the, the, the president. But clearly, uh, we know that's what's going to happen. So, in other words, this whole Nkandla issue is still going to be a looming issue. And all that it really becomes, it becomes a rallying call for a bit of disruption. And that is really my issue with this whole thing. A bit of disruption. (laughs) Okay, some major disruption. (laughs) No, because, I mean, at the end of the day, all that you're going to have is is that you're going to have a a sonar that might fall apart, you know, at the hinges. But beyond that, it hasn't achieved anything. The president's not going to get up and say, guys, okay, fine, here's the check. For goodness sake, leave me alone. I've paid back the money or I've pa- paid back part of the money, and this is where it ends. You know, It's, it's going to continue. Uh, so, so I really don't think that higher level of, of accountability is, uh, is achieved. And, I mean, th- we can bring it back to community protests. I mean, we had the issue in Malamulele now recently. Uh, we've had uh, the ones close to Ranfontein. There's a lot, as you know, I mean, it's something that we report on regularly, is the fact that there's continual service delivery protests. Where's the, the, the accountability come from? But I mean, it, even from, you know, from that local leader perspective. Is this, is this something that, um, perhaps touches on, like you mentioned, some, the heart of some other issues in South Africa where people are feeling so frustrated that through democratic means, their voices aren't being heard. So the only means that we can, um, express our anger or, or try to hold, whether it be councillors or the president accountable is through protest. Yes, you know, South Africa has one of the highest rates of, of civil uh, protests in the world. Um, and it happens, most of it happens without, uh, you know, the, it being reported, without the, the media being present, happens all over the country. And, um, you know, the, 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 the thing is that the, the, the response from government uh, you know, has been shockingly bad more, in most cases. Mm. Um, the, the, m- mostly the response is to deploy the police when the protests get violent. But by and large, they, you know, the, the, the responses are, um, you know, not, not to deal with the problems, but rather just to pacify the, co- the, the, the mm. communities mm. that are, that are in protest. 
And um, I think that, you know, the one thing that um, that analysts have noted previously is that the reason why there isn't kind of a rolling mass rebellion in South Africa is because the the, the protests are largely disorganized. They, they upsurges mm-hmm. from uh, communities. Um, they, de- they deal with local issues in those communities. Once they get pacified and promises are made to deal with it, they get either tired or, you know, they just give, give them local leaders an opportunity to deal with these problems and then it goes away. What Malema has done when he entered the fray is promise to give some kind of organization to all these disgruntled groups. Mm. And that's, I think, what made him the danger he is. Because if he gets that right, if he is able to organize masses of unemployed people, which are at the moment 24% Mm. of the population... If he's able to... That's the official rate, not even the yes, unofficial rate. Yes. Mm. Uh, if he's able to organize, um, uh, you know, uh, youths that are, that are, that are frustrated with the positions they are in. If, if he's able to organize, um, communities, uh, that are frustrated with, with the level of service delivery, either those that have already embarked on protest action or are yet to. That's what makes him dangerous. He's already like touched a little bit on mining communities, mm. but he hasn't really done that with any kind of clear perspective. If he's able to organize this, then I think you see the real danger. And this mm. is the reason I think that the United Front is trying to move quickly because they see that Julius could very well steal all that ground mm-hmm. and be the, you know, the, the, the center of all the, all the, all this kind of, uh, organization. But can I just quickly ask you on that one? Uh, because w- what I find very interesting about sort of our, uh, you know, protest culture, for lack of a better term, is the fact that, as you said, every now and again, uh, there's an upsurgence within a community. People are disgruntled. It takes about a week and then it dissipates, either because uh, the police intervene and people are, you know, I mean, only so many of us can be arrested, you know. Mm-hmm. The rest of us want to stay out of jail, so we go back to our normal lives. But, I mean, I'm thinking of so many of the Duarans, for example. I was very shocked to see this morning that there's, they back there. Minister of Agriculture, Minister of uh, Land Restitution, still trying to calm that community down two, three years later. Mm. So in other words, that issue never really, uh, you know, went away. And, and I, I understand that Malema has added a new level of organization. And sometimes what you have is, is that you have an entire community getting really ticked off. And then they, and, and I don't know, taking land, uh, protesting, and then the EFF sort of dive in there, organize the people. Uh, add fuel to the fire. Mm. But the real question is, are those issues resolved? Because there's one element that, that's extremely important, is that inevitably government needs to come back and say that this is what we're going to do for you guys to solve this issue. And government hasn't been playing that role. It's 20 past one, and you're listening to the Daily Maverick Show on Cliff Central. We're talking about the State of the Nation address uh, the President Zuma will give this Thursday. I just want to ask, I was thinking, the State of the Nation address is a quite a peculiar incident in sort of, in, at Parliament every year. And we have everybody arriving and the glitz and the glamour. But the gallery is packed with, uh, all different sort of party supporters, with, um, it's people like Guerra Mantashe, Jesse Duarte, who are part of the ANC but not in Parliament. How do you think they will react if Julius Malema and the EFF protest in, 
on Thursday. Will we see some sort of like mayhem with Gwede shouting from the stands down to Julius to shut up? Well, uh, the rules of parliament prohibit people in the gallery from participating, uh, in, in, in whatever is happening in the house. So that is why often when, when there are heated and fiery debates and people bust in supporters, you know, that they cause a commotion, but they are instructed by whoever's chairing the debate, you know, to, to quieten down. They're not allowed to. So, but, I don't think that will stop Gwede Mantashe, the character he is, you know, he, um, there's very little that can, that quite, uh, quieten him down. But look, I think that there would be, um, some anger from, from the ANC leaders in particular if the EFF does, you know, um, uh, cause uh, some kind of commotion there. But I don't think that, you know, would be the primary focus. Mm-hmm. I think the primary focus is what happens between the speaker, the EFF and the president. I think that, Triumvirate, the new tripartite. Okay, let's let's assume Zuma does deliver an address and he is able to get through his speech. Ranjani, what can we expect? I think he's going to have to say something on the 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 electricity crisis. I think everybody will be watching that. In do you think he'll actually acknowledge the country's problems? I think he has to because there has been an acknowledgement from the ANC and as far as I know the cabinet to say that that there is a problem. Uh, the, the difference, because even with what, what Eskom is saying, the difference between the narrative that everybody else is putting out and what the president is saying is that Everybody else is saying that it's the lack of maintenance and um, the 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 lack of generation capacity that's causing the crisis. Mm. He is refusing to say that. He is saying it's because a apartheid created this and b we did so well in delivering electricity, rolling out electricity. That's what caused it. Um, so he so far hasn't is not acknowledging the whole maintenance story, which is what's currently causing them. Yeah. Current bout of load shedding, but uh, you know, in the state of the nation speech, he uh, he can't really go as unscripted as he does normally. He he can say one or two things off the cuff, but by and large, it is a uh, very very scripted. Um, it's a long speech; it's normally around an hour. Uh, so I I think particularly on the the Eskom issue, it's going to be very well crafted. You know, they're going to have to present some kind of plan. And uh, in last year's uh, Sona, if I remember clearly, he talked about energy mix and you know nuclear and green energy and things. So he's going to have to give further detail on that. And normally he doesn't give a lot of detail. He just puts issues out there and then the ministers in their budget speeches give the detail. But I think particularly on the electricity crisis is going to have to pro- provide, uh, some kind of, uh, um, detail as to, as to what is going, what's the, in, the intervention going to be from government now. Gashma, what are you expecting? And do you think Zuma will speak at all on the trouble in sort of institutions like the National Prosecuting Authority, the Hawks? Well, I mean, since he's sort of at the center of that controversy, I think he'll <laughs> want to skip. I, I really think he's going to try to skip that. But just going back to what, what Ranjani now mentioned there is, um, what I found interesting is that there also seems to be this new narrative creeping in of government trying to disassociate itself, interestingly enough, from a parastatal it owns, mm-hmm. <laughs> being ESCOM. You know, it's ESCOM's problem, not government's issue. And uh, I don't know if that's going to actually, you know, if that's going to feature in a speech. I'd, I'd like to... Uh, you know, keep an ear out for that one. The other thing that I'd like to hear the president actually commenting on, and I mean, obviously, his his absence in this one was very blatant, very obvious. Was on the issue of xenophobia and the increasing xenophobia in the country. And then someone else also mentioned that I mean, we still have a serious problem when it comes to gender-based violence, uh, ch- child abuse. 
you know, the list continues. Crime has increased. What are, you know, what are you going to do about those things? Mm-hmm. Is he even going to touch o- on those often issues? these things are just touched on in the later paragraphs. Yes. Yeah. But also the, the EFF has also ratcheted up the pressure on the land issue mm-hmm. um, by announcing that they're going to embark on um, land occupation for the homeless. And I think that has increased the pressure uh, on the NC and on government to be able to, mm-hmm. to, to provide more detail in, in terms of the land restitution program. And I think when the, the indication came out from the NC Lekhotla, that there are some new moves on land where they're capping for, or they're capping ownership and, um, is trying to stop foreign ownership of land. So I, I think, you know, on, on the land issue that you can expect, you know, some detail on that. And, and land and rural development was initially before he became president. That was one of his, uh, you know, the things that he said would be a priority issue of his administration, but it really hasn't. Um, in fact, the NC has conceded several times that you know, that their land uh, redistribution program has not been successful and the willing buyer, willing seller uh, policy hasn't yeah. really worked. So, you know, they're going to have to come up with something new. Uh, otherwise, they, they're just going to have to stand and watch it happen as the, as the EFF runs riot. But it seems like it's going to be difficult to come up with something new on the land question because most of what they've done so far has gone so slow and been so difficult to implement. We all know it. And, and, and I think I think with the land question, it's going to be very hard to... To make people happy over it, because it's one of those issues that's been going on for so long, and there's so much distrust, and we feel we feel so much failure of of the government's initiatives. I wonder whether whatever he announces will be accepted by the public. Could I could I send the cat amongst the pigeons on this one? Let's see. I, I don't know. I, I just find it very really interesting that there's such an, a new interest and it's such a major focus on the land question. It has to be the, the EFF. EFF enters Parliament. Mm. Because obviously, I mean, the, we know what the EFF said on the issue. We're going to take it. We're not going to pay anyone a cent for it. And, uh, I mean, that we know has been a major debate and a major issue within the ANC and, and amongst its supporters. And now suddenly, uh, you have the other guys that used to be part of the system coming out and saying, no, we're going to be far more robust about it. And they've drawn huge numbers of support on that very issue. I mean, you know, despite, and I don't know, maybe, you know, in, in your analysis there, you've noticed that there's a lot of two, you know, d- d- forked tongue analysis coming through or not analysis uh, policy coming through when it comes to the EFF but if there's one issue that they've been mm. very clear on it's the land issue and I think it's scaring the ANC a bit and I think that's why we've seen this sudden uh, scramble in saying that we need to deal with this issue. But I think you know that the fundamental problem with this whole issue of the SONA is that people expect new announcements, big announcements mm-hmm. um, new policy changes, new programs. The biggest problem with the NC government at the moment is the failure in implementation because the policies have been there. They have so many uh, overlapping economic policies at the moment. It's not even funny. Um, but the thing is that with all of them, they're all log jammed because, uh, you know, they, they, they can't make them synchronize. Um, some of them are in conflict with the national development program. Mm-hmm. And the the implementation, when it comes to the bureaucracy of government, is where it all gets stuck. But what does Zuma say then in terms of that we will implement the plans we have? Is that all the state of the nation needs to be? That's what he keeps on saying. And like the funny thing, I was laughing uh, at the at the January eighth statement because he was in in that speech was saying we will instruct government. (laughs) So like, what does he do? Like make a call and then run to the other side and answer (laughs) it and say, okay, boss, got it, we'll do it. I mean, it's so has one of those monologues with himself (laughs) on both sides. You know, because uh, it's the NC then develops the, the broad policy, instructs government. 
government and government is meant to, to then implement. But the, the answer to that every time from the president is that I have these performance agreements with the ministers. Mm. They've signed it and, you know, from now on they'll be held to it. When has Tina Jumat Peterson been held to account for the electricity mm. crisis or anybody else being <laughs> held to account for anything, you know? You've never seen any kind of reprimand. And when you ask about it, then they say, no, the performance agreements are secret. So then what's the point? How do we know that they're being held to account according to their performance mm-hmm. agreements? Tina Jumat peterson hasn't been held to account for anything. No, she hasn't. <laughs> I mean, she, you know, she's the Minister of Energy, but not the energy as we understand it, as in the energy we don't have at the moment. Her, her, her uh, portfolio of energy is something else. Uh, you know that none of us know because we don't know what <laughs> she's doing. I actually can't even remember seeing a statement from her no. on an energy crisis or no. her speaking or addressing any true. of these issues. Actually, yes. very true. But, but but let me take a go on go on a bit of a tangent quickly. We've been talking about Sona, the State of the Nation address on Thursday, <laughs> and that means talking about Julius Malema and the EFF. What's interesting is that in the last week we've seen we've seen a lot of people speaking out against the EFF. Yeah. Yesterday we saw the defended of defenders of the constitution, the EFF's group uh, led by Lufono Hohoro. We've seen um Gayton McKenzie write his thug to thug letter addressing Julius Malema and <laughs> exposing some of their some of their sort of inner secrets. Um we've seen Andilem Lutama also also come out and speak on these issues. But the timing is very interesting. It's right before one of their most important moments. Is it suspicious around Jenny? I think to an extent because they know that, uh, you know, that if they get Julius now, it's going to hurt the most. And it's very difficult because the way Malema works is that most of the time when there is criticism, we've seen it even, even in the NC, is that he ignores you. He chooses to respond to what he wants to respond to, you know, and he can dismiss you as just being you know, a rabble rouser and um, get his minions to deal with these guys. So now with all the, 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 the attention he's drawn to himself around the sauna, they have probably realized that if they, if they hit him now, it's, it, it really is going to hurt. And uh, I must say that, um, it shouldn't come as any big surprise that there is, uh, you know, this discord in the EFF now because what happened was when, when the EFF was formed, it was initially, uh, Julius and Floyd's project. And then they started drawing people from, you know, everybody who was wounded or disappointed or, you know, the, the sort of the young guys who, um, you know, fed up with the ANC and, and, and trying to, to pull together all sorts of disparate voices. But it also served, uh, the 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 EFF project at the time to have some big names so having Kenny Kunene and Gaten McKenzie, uh, Andy Lemgritama, all of them join in. It looked as if you know they were drawing some mm. big names. But if you look at Andile for example, he doesn't have any constituency. I mean, I I don't think you know I don't know if um like his uh, like September and Bizo. Yeah, you know, like how, how much support did he himself draw? But he is a thinker on the issue of land. So, you know, that has been helpful to him. But, you know, I think that that personality clash between Malema and Mgritama um, was always going to come because they're two such big personalities, both hot-headed, you know, that's what's going to come. All these other issues that are com- coming up, it came, I think, as a result of the elective conference they had in December. Um, and, uh, you know, the thing is that Julius wants people around him that he can trust uh, and that we, that can can run the organization, and then you know he just comes in whenever you know he he there's a big event whenever he wants to deal with an issue. But he needs basically now he's a married guy, you know he's got a new wife. <laughs> he doesn't want to like dirty his fingers. The wolf. 
Yes. She doesn't want to touch his fingers all the time. So he needs people there that he can trust. So, you know, I don't think, uh, I mean, you guys were at the EFF Congress. Uh, I don't think that that election just evolved on its own. There was, there was some behind the scenes pulling certainly, out strings certainly. to get certain people elected and certain people the not elected. Used and printed. Yes. So, um, it, as a result of that, he, he would know that from the ANC that as soon as you start doing that, that breeds factional battles. Because you are, you're He's almost emulating you, Jacob Zuma. Yes. And you are, you, you're aligning certain people, uh, you know, you're discarding certain people and that obviously causes resentment. It's just after 1.30 on Tuesday. You're listening to the Daily Maverick Show on Cliff Central. We're going to go to a song now by Busy Signal. It's One More Night. It's dedicated to Jacob Zuma, who will be hoping for one more peaceful night on Thursday. Let me know. Yeah. Give me another chance, baby. Give me another chance, girl. Another try. Just one blind. One more night. Give me just one more night, girl. One more night, cause I can't live without you. It's 1.35 and you're listening to the Daily Maverick Show on Cliff Central. We're talking about everything State of the Nation, uh, which is, which is happening this Thursday. On the line, we've got Taryn Opal, senior, senior fashion editor from, of Elle Magazine South Africa. Taryn, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good. Thanks. How are you? Good. Thank you. So we're talking everything about Sona this week. And obviously one of the things about Sona is the, is the fashion trends, all the glitz and glamour. Can you tell us some of the past trends that we've seen and what we might expect this year? Well, I'm sure that, you know, everyone's noticed that over the years at the State of Nation addresses, um, people have looked to gowns or overstyling or excessiveness. Um, <laughs> between all of that... Do you mean gaudy? <laughs> yeah, we have found traditionalists um, also flying their culture flags high, which is, of course, always beautiful to see. Obviously, not been paired with a Chanel handbag. That's, you know, quite uh, an interesting combination. Um, it's also great uh, that... You know, people take the opportunity to showcase local design. Um, but in saying that, I think uh, what's misconstrued is that although it's an occasion to dress up for, it's not necessarily a fashion event. Um, and that's, I think, where it all goes horribly wrong. Um, boundaries tend to be pushed where it's not necessary, you know. Um, I'm sure that, uh, you know, everyone can remember Helen's at his pay date with turquoise for not for good reasons. Um, <laughs> or Rebecca, Mediva, Zuma, Scarlet structured red ruffle number, which is actually rather quite beautiful. Um, people tend to look to a lot of color, obviously to stand out, um, let's be honest. But, I mean, Dr. Precious Malloy Mutsepa looked incredibly chic in a simple black dress, for example, and so just not a bad idea. Um, I think, you know, what's great is when you see more elegantly conservative cuts and fits. Because let's face it, you know, it has looked like more of a matric ball in the past. Um, <laughs> way too much feeding. Way too many sequins, crazy headgear. Um, I think the personas need a hint from someone like Michelle Obama, who creates more of a sectorial statement. Like her simplicity really does go a long way. A beautifully tailored shift or skirt suit means business, but it's also classy and classic. Um, I think that that's what we need to see more of. I think um, a big fashion moment uh, of recent times was Lindy Webb Mazibuko in the bridal gown last year. Yeah. Yes, yes. I, I think she's going to a debutant ball. <laughs> I'm not someone that um, doesn't necessarily look to Michelle Obama for fashion inspiration. She usually opts for something quite floor-sweeping or red tie. And I think she'll be terribly missed this year. You know, someone who we usually keep our eye on to see, you know, which local designers she'll showcase and represent. 
But I think that, um, you know, with the, with the state of the nation address here, what happens is that they don't try and emulate someone like Michelle Obama or, you know, events, similar events around the world. So we're not going to see anyone in those, um, I think what, in the Grammys dresses. But this is what I was going to say is that they, they, because it's award season in the U.S. and everybody is so far out in, in the, uh, you know, in, uh, for, uh, in terms of fashion at the awards where you have, uh, the Golden Globes and um, Screen Actors Guild and then the, the Grammys, Grammys and then the Oscars coming. Yeah. So, you know, I think that a lot of people th- then feel they have to compete with that and lose no, sight. No, it's not on the, even on the same level, you know. Yes, it's, it's a different event yeah. altogether. But if you exactly. look, because I've, I've been on that red carpet and I, I can't in all seriousness ask anybody who you're wearing. But when you <laughs> see them prancing around, they really believe that, you know, that it's they like being it's interviewed. It's their moment. Yes. You know, um, they see them uh, themselves on par with what happens on E! Online. <laughs> and, you know, they have to talk about their shoes and their manicures. And, oh, it's, you know, yeah. it's, it, it goes from the bizarre to the ridiculous sometimes. My good God. <laughs> I think what people need to remember is that no one's necessarily going to be crowned prom king or queen at the end of this event. You know, they need to keep things really sophisticated. And, I mean, they're leaders and uh, they need to be represented in that way. Taryn, this might be a bit of a bizarre question, but seeing the EFF is now in Parliament in their overalls and maids' uniforms, does it does it sort of shame some people who go out and buy these expensive, expensive dresses? Do you think there might be some people this year who, who just sort of tone it down a little bit? Uh, you know what? Uh, funny enough, something like a red overall to make a statement, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, they're, obviously, they're obviously showing up to, to, you know, to show that they're there, and... Um, to some degree, I don't know if you should go that far to push those certain boundaries, you know. Um, but I think that if there's any advice um, I could give to one, how, how one should dress this sort of occasion, is just stick to what you know, you know. Always remember that um, at the end of the day, a full head-to-toe traditional attire is always a winner. It's so beautiful. Um, if you're not going to offer something, you know, traditional, then maybe you could go for something tailored and chic and you know, almost resembling sort of a retro revival and maybe accessorize that with a traditional headpiece or craft like jewelry. I mean, this, in my opinion, is something of a most more suited choice. I think that it would, you know, represent the country and, and um, what we stand for, but at the same time, you know, be worthy of a, of a red carpet moment. If, if, you know, we can even call uh, a red carpet, a red, you know, like you said, at award shows, that's a red carpet. You know, people are pulling things off runways and there to be seen, but this I think should be, you know, kept simple and um, really sophisticated. But you see, I, I think there's also a somewhat of a competition between the, the MPs, the female MPs, and the wives of <laughs> yeah. MPs and business yeah, people. You know, so, so there is that. But perhaps for to 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 tone it down um, and to to move towards austerity, which is what we should be doing uh, considering <laughs> the the economic the country's economic crisis is maybe there should be a uniform for MPs so uh, like the women wear all the same dress but in different colors <laughs> the <laughs> ANC, for their parties yeah NC wear green and yeah, um, and then, wear uh, blue. Then, we can, then we can see then we can see who really you know stands up from the crowd I think everyone would be on the same boat so that's a great idea actually. yeah that's a great idea. <laughs> we need to propose it to someone. <laughs> But I, I mean, what is the actual dress code for these sort of things? Do they even have a... I think it's black tie. Uh, you know, it's, black tie. it's supposed to be black tie. No, it's a black, black tie means bow tie. Oh. oh. I think it's formal. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, that's there's a difference. Or traditional, oh, a lot yeah, of formal traditional. or traditional. I think that's the dress code. But, yes. And the men do yeah, the men get it wrong? I mean, because I, I was wondering about. I'm not really. I'm not really an expert. Well, really remember my Lucy Gigaba in his pilot's costume. Pilot's costume. Yes. I think the men get it. I think the men get it right. They, you know, they, they, all they are really are like a, you know, a little partner to those crazy dresses that they walk alongside. But, who was that hottie um, guy mean, from the DA who everyone is to perv? Oh, you're talking about name. Tim Harris. Tim Harris. She's, is she's joking that she's yes. joking that she forgot her name. I, <laughs> <laughs> didn't he, I, didn't, I think it was his. Wife, a girlfriend. His wife, unfortunately. Yeah, who, who, um, oh, taken. No, who, who, who rocked up in like a little mini Said, I don't think it's in the nation's interest, really, to have 
like a complete uh, breakdown, uh, you know, in Parliament and the, and the speech being disrupted. It uh, it it serves it really serves no no purpose uh, to cause another raucous in Parliament because it de- destabilizes the work of uh, of the, that that is really essential. Now we're joined on the line by Pastor Ray McCauley, who has been trying to negotiate negotiate that truce between these parties. Pastor Ray, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. Now we're talking about the negotiations you've been holding. And so we've seen the EFF in the past say that they would, they they would interrupt the. So I think we're lost, Pastor Ray. There. Yeah. Oh no, no, you're still there. So so we've seen in the uh, the EFF in the past say that they've they would disrupt President Zuma's speech unless he addressed the nation on the Enkandla matter before the State of the Nation yeah, addressed. Really. And they they have also said that they do not want to wait until March when the president appears for question time. And w- so, so what wiggling room have you have you been well, able to find in these negotiations? Okay, basically we started in the first week of December with this, and I was we were asked as the religious leaders to to, to see if we could facilitate that situation. I'd done an article in the Star newspaper on the basis uh, that there was chaos and so forth in Parliament, and it needed to be addressed. So I was asked to, to address it, and. Uh, and so we got involved in it to facilitate it, and that's how the process began. Then we went to the different parties. We dealt with the government. We dealt with the ANC. We dealt with uh, the EFF. And then we flew to Cape Town to deal with the opposition parties, spoke to all of them, and went through this whole process. Um, and, and, and in that and, space, like I said, have you found any wiggle room from the EFF who have publicly been very adamant that they will interrupt this, this address? Well, what, what happened then was we, I've seen them, I think it's four times total in this process uh, with the leadership. And basically, there was then a change on the basis that if certain things could take place, they would be very open to some form of a peace accord to sign that on the day that the president addresses the nation, that they would then not say anything. And what are these certain things that the EFF is looking for? I think basically one of their major things is to drop the charges. The charges against their actions for, for their protest yes, in Parliament and last year. I think year. one or two other things, one of them is a little bit sensitive at the moment because I'm still trying right now, speaking to, speaking to them as well on the basis of trying to resolve it. Uh, Pastor Ray, you're obviously in a very strategic position, and um, many people hold you in high regard, um, and therefore there's a, there's a lot of uh, expectation on, on you at the moment to to be able to produce uh, some kind of result out of these negotiations. Um, but is is that strategic position you have not able to assist with other problems? For example, um, you know, many people in society have been disappointed with the way the president has responded to the public protector's yeah. report. Could you not counsel him because he seems to hold you in high regard? Could you not counsel him on 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 how um, to respond to that report? For example, yes, I think I have, and I think that was part of the negotiations, and that was me running up and down and being in a position to, uh, to, to to facilitate it. But that's why I think that it was stated there that he needed to answer the questions fully that he's been asked, and he needs to do it in a way that the opposition parties are happy about it. Okay, but at the moment it looks as if 
you know, the, 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 the standoff is so far at the moment because uh, on, uh, up to Sunday, the president was saying that as far as he is concerned, he didn't do anything wrong on, on Kandla, um, that nobody faulted him on anything and he doesn't see why he should have to pay back the money. And when it, when it boils down to it, this question that's in parliament at the moment is whether he will pay back the money. And I think that yes. even if we are able to na- navigate beyond Thursday, if you are right. able, your negotiation negotiations right. is pre- able to prevent a standoff, that remains the sticking point. Uh, do do you see any way out there? Yes, because I think that the opposition parties were very adamant about that, that they want him to answer fully and properly about encounter. I think the issue becomes whether he does it in March. Uh, uh, that was the issue, that he would answer in March. That was his answer. He would answer those questions fully in March, but he did not want to do it on the same day or the night before calling Parliament together to answer those questions. That was one of the, the issues. Okay, but uh, again, what I'm saying is that answering the question is one thing because basically he's saying he will appear in Parliament and he will answer the questions that the opposition has put to him. However... The, the the question then remains. It's, it's it's not about whether he answers the question. It's about whether he will in fact um, acknowledge that there was some wrongdoing on Kandla, and and that seems to be something he is refusing well, to do. Well, my advice, my advice to him would be that he needs to do that. Okay, that, that would be interesting really if you can do pull that. <laughs> and uh, and that's what needs to happen. Okay, Pastor Ray. Um, so tell us, tell us. Often, so you've been dealing with the ANC and the EFF, and publicly they're at, at each other's throats. They're they're really attacking each other. How? What have you learned from interacting with these two parties about their relationship? Well, I think first of all, there's no, there's not really any dialogue at the moment. There's no communication between them, and I think that that would be a start of something that could really help if they sat down and they spoke and dialogued about some of these issues. Uh, and, uh, and, 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 and talked about it in a room somewhere rather than publicly or, uh, or openly, but in some room somewhere and go through the issues that basically that, uh, that they have both of them. Pastor Ray, um, there, there are so many problems afflicting our society at the moment. Um, you know, whether it comes to, to violence against children and, and women, um, the xenophobia, um, the levels of poverty, um, the service delivery protests. Do you think that there is a bigger role for the religious leaders to play a more active role in, in assisting government and negotiating between communities, for example, more than what you do at the moment? Yes. I agree with you fully. Actually, we had a meeting on Friday with the president and some of the cabinet ministers on that and how we can partnership more, particularly with women and children, particularly on the issue of poverty, xenophobia, all those issues. I think we can. We have places of worship. It's not just churches. It's all religions. Uh, Places of worship in all these areas and that uh, our people have been in the middle of it, but we need to be more coordinated uh, with with government on that, and, Pastor, and not to be influenced by them, but to partnership where we can. And, and Pastor, Ray, so this issue that you've, you're involved in now is ostensibly a political issue. Can you tell us why is the church involved in these political issues? Well, that's why I've been so strong to say that we are facilitators. I'm not a politician. I don't want to be a politician, and I'm not involved in politics. But I remember 30 years ago when we got involved, when I got involved, and 
way before that, there were many others like uh, Bishop Desmond Tutu and others like that, that stood up against apartheid. And then some people said, and I know to my constituency, was why are you getting involved in politics? I said, no, it's not a political issue, it's a moral issue. So you see, so I think we need to be a moral compass somewhere on the basis of what goes on in the country and 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 the issues that we're faced with. And you see this issue of the EFF uh, potentially disrupting the State of the Nation address as a moral issue? Uh, Yes, I do. I I, I don't see that completely, but I I want you to know that I'm not involved in the political aspect. Mm -hmm. Our our role Mm -hmm. was to facilitate them to sit down and work through this, and that's what we've attempted to do from the first week of December. And how close are you to reaching an agreement with these parties, and how confident are you that an agreement I might be reached? I think we're about nine, over 95%. There. I thought we were there. Have, that's all I can say. Have you been engaging with the parties today since since this uh, yes, has have. gone very public? Yes, we have. And? And, and actually, well, we, they're still discussing it. We're still speaking to them, and obviously they have other issues that they're dealing with and other things, but I think that by this evening we should have a response from them and uh, we should have something concrete about what's going to actually transpire and happen and uh, and hopefully, you know, that uh, it's in a balance right now, but we can only be there to try and facilitate this thing because I think it is tragic that on the day that we have the State of the Nation address, whoever's president, that uh, it will look and not be right. Uh, on the basis that uh, the world and everybody's watching what's going on and then to have any chaos there is not a good thing. Finally, uh, Pastor Ray, uh, will you be there on Thursday should things not... At the moment, I'm not. I'm not going to be there. Uh, I haven't made plans to be there and never did make plans to be there. So, so mm. uh, But I'm sure that if this thing comes out good and fine, maybe I'll get an invite, I'll see <laughs> We can only hope. Uh, Pastor Ray McCauley from the Rama Bible Church, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And good, good luck with your mission. Thank you. This is the Daily Maverick Show on Cliff Central. It's almost 2 o'clock and we're talking everything State of the Nation address. Before we close today, Ranjini, what are you looking forward to on Thursday? It being over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gashua? Oh, no, Ranjini. <laughs> you, know, you have a real answer. The, 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 yeah, the thing about it is that, you know, everybody will be there tuned in at 7, a, 7 p.m. and or a little earlier to watch the fashion and watch the parade after carpet and the entire performance and then the singing of the national anthem, the blasting of the guns, and then the pre- president walks in, gives his speech, Julius interrupts or doesn't interrupt. But the work, end of the it all, we have to then work and That's write right. about it. Analyze the speech So yeah, I'm, not, the I'm not looking forward to that Gashwell <laughs> I don't know uh, You know there's there's some I think a sick part of me That's actually looking forward to A possible interruption <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest It's going to shake Sona up a bit We will pay far more attention Than what we normally do Because I think that it, It's true What you just said there It's We will watch the fashion parade The police doing their You know The military band doing their thing And it's all fun And then after People sort of fall off to sleep yeah. This time people won't uh, But yeah <laughs> <laughs> as fun as it would be, it would be a bit tragic as well. Thank you. Uh, this has been the, you've been listening to the Daily Maverick show on Cliff Central. Thank you to our guests for today: Daily Maverick uh, writer Ranjini Munasami, Daily Maverick contributor uh, Gashwal Brooks, as well as Pastor Ray McCauley and Taryn Opal from uh, Al South Africa. Tune in next week. <laughs>